0: Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim, and we've got two uh, special guests joining us today from the great city of Chicago. A couple of loyal listeners. We got Mitch and and Mike checking in. How's it going, boys? How's it going? Going good. Appreciate
1: the invite. Eminem uh, m yeah. in the house.
0: Eminem
2: <laughs> in the morning, I guess, for some, in the afternoon, brothers.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no. I uh, appreciate having you guys on. Always good to have guests this time of year and it's good for us because, you know, Tom and I being up in Minneapolis, we kind of don't really run into very many Bears fans in passing. We're kind of in our own echo chambers and we've got kind of our Bears fan friends around the country, but we can talk less. <laughs> it's not not like we're really not like we're really running into Bears fans at work or out in bar about. So, good to have a couple people on from Chicago and just in general, what are your thoughts on how the season has gone so far? And talk about the draft, free agency, just kind of curious what, what your opinions are.
2: Yeah, so to, uh, to start things off, I got to say it's a bit of a fresh air for uh, Ryan Poles. You know, it's it's unique because, uh, you know, the four years or seven years under Pace, it felt like he was just kind of grasping at straws. It, it, it's just very nice to have an offseason where Poles seems to have a plan, and he's very much sticking to it. You know, he clearly wanted to get younger. He clearly wanted, you know, um, positional offensive players. And he wanted to trade that number one pick, which is probably the biggest move this offseason, uh, which he did, in my opinion, very successfully in getting DJ Moore as well as uh, first-round picks and a few second-rounders. So, Yeah, I was
3: <clears throat> I was super happy with it as well. I, I think we filled a ton of gaps. I think when you looked at the... At the board last year at the end of the seasons, you, you saw wide receiver as a huge hole, offensive line as a continued huge hole, and linebacker and defensive end um, as continued big holes. And I think what he did to address the linebacker position, especially, was phenomenal to see. And he didn't reach for any players yes. and overpay anybody, but he, you know, really nailed the value for the players he brought in. And he had a ton of money to spend, but that doesn't mean you need to spend it unwisely. And he didn't, you know, go out and pay McGlinchey $200 billion to play guard, you know, or something stupid like that. And uh, I don't know, I was just really happy with, you know, the amount of weaknesses he turned into strengths over the offseason. I mean, he's still got work to do, but like Mike said, it was clear that he had a plan. He wanted to be responsible with his decisions, and I think he
0: spent money wisely. And he's still got money he's left to spend. Yeah, and they've still got the most cap space of anybody right now, and... I think yeah, like thirty million yeah. or something like that. Currently, almost. yeah, <laughs>
2: currently they're number one with like thirty-two, uh, and they have and they're third for next year. Um, which, like, if you look at our division rival, the Packers, they have like thirty-five combined million combining this year and next year. So it's like they still got a pretty <laughs> big bank there. I will say this though, polls is outrageously unpredictable with his uh, not only draft picks, but his signing. I mean, if anyone thought that you were going to get T.J. Edwards and and Edmonds uh, this offseason, I would have called you a liar and said there's no way. Um, So it was it was shocking. But then when you look at it, it's like, well, actually, that is a pretty big need. I mean, I'm a big fan of Jack Sanborn, like anyone else. Uh, you know, immediately <laughs> bought his jersey, and then like my classic curse. Once I bought his jersey, he immediately ended up on IR.
0: So um, put that in the, uh, put I that mean, in the pile of my Brock Varine jersey. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's just
2: it's interesting. It's you know, I I mean, going into the you know, if we go into the draft, uh, you know, Mitch and I were hanging out, out of the bar, having a few drinks, and we thought Jalen Carter, for sure, if he's available, yeah. we're going to take him. And I, just, I, actually, I think I recall
3: screaming uh, at the top of my lungs every single pick that went by Carters <laughs> Jalen Carter was coming. To yeah, the there were a
2: few people looking left and right. There was a little bit of a scene that him and I were causing, but just to have <laughs> him, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting because then I rewatched the games at first. It was like, all right, well, that's different. And then you rewatch the game, and you're seeing Fields just get killed. And then you're like, all right, that is his plan was to protect fields. He wants fields to have a good year, regardless of the biggest need we have. And that's, I mean, I think it's a step in the right direction. Well, I think another thing that
3: he thought about, and I think with any GM, you have runway, right? Typically, you know, you have three to four years if things go okay, five to six, if things are going generally good, and maybe two to three if they're not. I think that he looked at this, you know, year, maybe as year zero, he had a little bit of a long leash. But I think that going into this season, he needs to figure out if Justin Fields is the guy. And unless he put the offensive pieces around him, whether it's the line, the running back, or the wide receivers, he wouldn't know. And so after the season, you'll call it looking into twenty twenty four, after the season he'll know what he has. If Justin Fields can't put it together with this old line, this receiver core and these running backs, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, he knows he's not the guy and he's got the draft capital next year to make a change, pivot, and still keep his job.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I actually uh, did a uh, <laughs> did a little uh, post today on on our on our um, text feed that uh, we this little text feed we have going, and it was just about the fact that with with Fields, literally, Bears fans have never seen anybody like this, and I think that's a really big thing to keep in mind. That Fields is on a level. As an athlete that we have literally never seen, he—he's literally one of the best athletes in the NFL. And I'm not talking—I'm not—I'm not applying that to his passing ability or his running ability. I'm just saying, as far as athletes go, he's amazing. And you guys were talking about how you were re- revisiting some of the games from last year. You watch those long running plays; those are insane. They're, every single yeah. one of them is an ESPN highlight moment, you know. And he had multiple in one season. We watched him run out, you know, over uh, easily run past fast guys, guys that are really fast in the NFL, and he ran past them. That
0: just doesn't usually happen. Certainly not from the quarterback position. If, so opposing defenders would talk about it, like, <laughs> right? Derry. Darius Slay, who's on the Eagles, who plays with Jalen Hurts, is like, yeah, that guy's that guy's good. <laughs> yeah, and he's kind of fast. Yeah, and that, that happened on more than one occasion. So I, I agree. I, I just keep going back to you can't build everything all at once. And if you're going to build up one side of the ball, build up the offense first. And that's what the Chiefs did. I mean, think back to Mahomes' first couple of seasons when when he was playing at an MVP level, but the defense was giving up 40 points a game. I mean, that arguably cost the Chiefs a trip to the Super Bowl because they couldn't stop Tom Brady that year at Arrowhead. So the Chiefs yeah. built up their offense, they found their quarterback, and then they've done enough on the defensive side of the ball over the years. And it's not, not like they've ever had the monsters in the midway out there, but they've got enough playmakers that can come up with a sack or an interception or a game-changing play. And, you know, the defense in the NFL, you can get by if you're giving up four touchdowns a game. You just can't be given up seven which is you know so, <laughs> yeah, so there's still a way to go but i, I just I, I think that's the biggest reason why he he won offensive tackle and it's it's tough to argue with that
1: would you guys say the uh the offense is arrow right now it's obviously based on paper because we haven't seen any action yet but would you say
3: it's pointing up yeah i'd say for sure it's pointing up but i think <clears throat> on paper is a really good point to bring up this was something i read in a in another article it was about the amount that we are banking right now on development on the offensive line, sure. right? So we are we are banking big time on Braxton Jones being better this year than he was last year. We are banking on, you know, continued development for Cody Whitehair with the position change, continued development with Tevin Jenkins moving over to left guard. And and if those guys don't develop in the way we want them to and the coaching staff can't get them there, we're going to be in serious trouble with the O-line anyway. So I think the the paper comment is really uh, going to be something that, that plays out during training camp. And
0: uh, so we're going to have to keep, you know, monitoring as this time goes
1: on. Yeah, definitely.
0: And uh, that's not even limited to the offensive line. I mean, there, there's a lot of responsibility here on Chase Claypool. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> I, they, yeah, that, need, they need him to have a big year. And sure, super talented guy in a contract year has a career year. It, it's happened many, many times in the NFL, but they need, they need more out of him than they got last year. And, they need DJ Moore to take a next step because he's been very productive in Carolina on a terrible offense for the most part. But they need him to come in here and hit the ground running and to be a Pro Bowl receiver that that's game cha- that that's changing games. So that, there's a lot that needs to go right. But I was also just thinking that you don't have to you don't have to reach that far for it. I mean. I I think the talent is there and it's just, you got to trust this coaching staff now to put it all together and we'll see if they can.
2: And another thing that is kind of an underrated is uh, not only the DJ Moore signing, but for me, it's the Robert Tunyon signing. I mean, I couldn't tell you. Me likey. And, 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 but I last year's number two tight end. I'm gonna. I am mean, i do not know exactly who it was. I can't think of it off the I don't ahead. remember
0: Ryan Griffin.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was the Cole Komet show through and through, and uh, he he's great. He's a clear number one tight end, and he can be your number one tight end in the league. And he's developed, and you know, it, it's, he's hitting year four, and we'll see if he gets that contract extension. Um, but. Him, in watching Fields play from Ohio State to now, he likes those fail-safe tight ends. And having Robert Tunyon in there and Cole Komet will be very interesting to watch. Yeah, I think there's... Yeah, there's I think that, go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, I,
0: I just think I'm a lot of the weapons are, are there, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's tough we got four people on here. All right, Mitch, I'll let you go. No,
3: I was uh, I was going to say, I was trying to look up what the uh, Wonderlook score on Chase Claypool was. I, what I've heard is that he's had difficulty understanding playbooks throughout his career and his, you know, called intellectual abilities have not been very strong. And so I can, I could see an eventuality where we see him get better just because of the fact that he couldn't understand the playbook to save his life last year. Yeah. And he has a whole offseason to learn it. And I think that that could be pretty helpful in his development, at least as a bear.
1: He did just graduate from Ohio state. Um so well, he that's he,
3: not very hard, but no, yeah. I, I, <laughs> all I'm
1: saying is is that he did take the initiative to go ahead and finish his college degree, which I think that, is good. that shows a lot about his character, about his work ethic. And you gotta remember this guy has been at the top of football his entire career all the way back to high school. I mean, he won Mr. Football. Are you talking about
0: Claypool? Or...
2: Oh, I thought,
1: I'm thought. i sorry. I thought you were talking about Fields. I made a no, dis- disconnect there. I was going was, yeah. to up
2: about the Ohio State. Yeah, yeah I, was I was like, like Claypool went back. Was like, was like, He went to Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what in the world? <laughs> but I, I no, think my, Playpool, my bad.
0: I think that was a big reason why the Steelers didn't want Claypool back, is just that whether it's the fact that he has trouble with the playbook or maybe he just wasn't showing the level of professionalism that it takes to learn an NFL offense for whatever reason I just think that he hasn't maximized his potential yet in the NFL and you know m- maybe like you said you give him an off season you, you have the carrot of the big contract extension because this is year 4 for him and you know maybe they can find a role in the offense that's a little bit simpler now that they have all these other weapons around him because I know I know in that Miami game which was his first game with the Bears they were kind of just telling him go along and get open. And he, he did it a couple of times and that, that was his best game. So yeah. maybe there's something to be learned from that. I, I certainly haven't counted out the fact that he, or, or the possibility that he can have a, a big year, especially in his contract year, even if it's the only time he does it, but go out and get that money and, and score a bunch of touchdowns this year. Well, a maturity
1: level has also uh, been an obvious factor too. I mean, uh, that was rumor as well when he came over from Pittsburgh. But, I mean, there's nothing better than video evidence when your receiver, after what seemed to be, I mean, we want to see you make that third down catch, but to have a temper tantrum on the, on the sideline because you don't make that is not, not going to help anything. Now, I, on the flip side of that, watching Justin Fields go over and address that as the leader of the team, was enormous. Uh, I mean, would we, we have ever seen Jay Cutler do that? I don't think so. No, uh, I'm
2: gonna swear <laughs> with the guy. But the deal, yeah, exactly. If the exactly. around, they would be yeah. yelling at him. Exactly. <laughs> so,
1: so, you know, um, what we have to do is just, you know, be patient and see how it turns out. It's hard for me to believe that he's going to regress that much simply because he played better than that in his first two years in the league. Um, now, what they need to see is obviously a, a step up even from what he was playing uh, out in Pittsburgh. But And that remains to be seen. But it certainly, I think, is better that, you know, he doesn't have the pressure on him to be the number one. DJ Moore is, uh, you know, clear-cut the number one. And it, it looks like there's there's other good players in there to, you know, be a factor. I, I bet, I bet um, uh, you know, having... Uh, a good cohesive group around him uh, that he can, you know, uh, maybe get some attitude adjustment from will will help.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, look who he was learning from in Pittsburgh. I mean, the role model there was Juju Smith uh, Schuster, the uh, TikTok star. Yeah, now, exactly. Man, that's, that's who he's taking, you know, uh, maturity tips from. And who did Juju learn from? Antonio Brown. Um, <laughs> I think we, we, we know enough about. So I think there's a there's a clear, you know, call it lineage of immaturity in the wide receiver room in Pittsburgh that. Hopefully, can get adjusted here in Chicago with DJ Moore and, and you know even guys that have been in the league a long time like Mooney. I know that we rip on maybe a St Brown, but he's been in the league for a while. Yeah, um, you know. Hopefully, there's some maturity to be learned in that room.
0: On everything yeah, you that, hear about Moore and Mooney specifically is like ten out of ten in terms of the intangibles. So you, you hope that's a good room, and you hope that it has an impact on on Claypool because I, I agree that's a big part of it, and, and you you want a positive a positive group. I, I think just knowing what we know about those two guys I just listed off those are just really really solid character guys and I personally I think the
2: wide receiver room is the number one group to watch during uh the preseason because yeah yeah, you got you got the main three that are staying Equinemius St. Brown is definitely going to stay he's a Luke Getse guy through and through but then you get to like Dante Pettis you know you just drafted Tyler Scott of Cincinnati in fourth round he's definitely in and and Bayless Jones Jr., you know, he was kind of, uh, paid, uh, uh, his, you know, inside guy to sabotage the team to make sure he got that number one pick last year with the drafts. He did that. He, he actually, did. And and, and I, it was oddly enough from rewatching, he actually did a lot in the return game, and he kind of showed up at the end of it. He had he had a big like forty nine yard run end around. I believe uh, with, uh, at, the, at the last game of the year against the Vikings, as well as he had a pretty big catch against the Eagles, mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly. Um, so we'll see if he, because he, he's definitely a cut candidate uh, moving forward. But um, personally, one thing, uh, probably second tier to that would be the running back room. Yeah, because uh, we have, you know, David Montgomery, who is my guy, and I went to Iowa State myself. So obviously a homer there. Wanted them to extend him, didn't. Uh, understand why the eighteen million is—it's a big chunk of change, and and now after the draft, I—I I mean, Roshan Johnson, I could not be more excited for to see him suit up because that guy is a football player. Yeah, agreed.
1: He, not to mention uh, bigger and faster. Yeah,
2: yeah. And,
1: and, and I got to give some love out to the JJ. Oh wait, is that, <laughs> oh maybe that's something else. Anyway, I still think that Valus could be a guy. For us, uh, I, I maybe he uh, came in and was just kind of overwhelmed by what happened. But I certainly don't think he needs to be crucified after his rookie season. Um, it, it, one thing is for sure, without a doubt, he did show off some of that football speed that he has. He can be fast, and so they need to put him in, in position to be that guy, right? Not so much. Maybe he's, maybe he's uh, the catching part of it isn't real strong for him. But get him the ball in space and let him run it out, that certainly seems like he could be that guy.
0: It seemed like a lot of his problems just stemmed from trying to do too much, too. It was just a lot of trying to extend plays and fumbling the ball, a lot of trying to receive mm-hmm. punts within his own 10-yard line, or not. It, it, sometimes not even catching him at all and just muffing the punt right on the goal line. So. I I want to root for the kid. I, I really liked a lot of what I heard about him in the pre-draft process, but it I agree with Mike. It's, it's going to be a critical training camp for him because there's enough depth in this receiver room that if he's showing some of the things that kind of got him in the doghouse last year, then he's not going to make the roster, I don't think, because there's other viable options, and you can't waste roster spots on somebody just because you had picked him in the third round. So... I hope the best for him, because I really do want him to succeed, and I think that he's got the talent. It's just going to be, can he put it together this year? Because I'll tell you, it was one of the worst rookie seasons I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's, well, I, that's saying something. That is saying something.
3: Yeah, and I, mean, I, I think that he's almost a like a poor man's Devin Hester. And I remember watching Hester you know, come up, and he was one of those utility called gadget guys that was super fast. And, and the issue, with, you know, especially with Mike Martz back in those days, they, they couldn't find the right way to use him. They tried him on the end, end rounds like Bayless. They, they tried, tried him at him quarterback. space, yeah. different things like that, and they they just never could figure out a good way to use him. I, I hope we don't fall into that same trap where we continue to fail to force him into a hole. And if he doesn't fit, cut him. That's just kind of where I hope this thing goes because I don't think he's as good. Well, I don't. I know he's not as good as Devin Hester in the return game. But, you know, a lot of those same things with the indecisiveness, the catch of the ball behind the 10-yard you know, <clears throat> line, when, when Devin Hester was in his slumps, you saw a lot of those same mistakes being made. Um, I just hope we don't get stuck with him the same way that, I guess, we were stuck with Devin in, in some of the – you can call it the bad times uh, instead of the good times.
1: Well, I, I will say Poll so far has demonstrated that he will not – He doesn't seem like he will stick on a guy like – I'm just going to keep trying to force the the square peg into the round hole, just no matter what. Uh, and we all know very well what that looks like from the last seven, from the previous seven years. Um, he seems more like uh, I want to see production. Otherwise, hit the road.
3: Well, I think he wants to win. You know, I heard about this on. Uh, I think I was listening to ESPN 1000, and he was on, uh, and he talked about when he was watching one of the games. He actually broke one of the trash cans in the press box. In the the owner's box where he was sitting watching the game. He was so pissed off about and he wouldn't tell what play and what game it was. But he did say at one point during the season, he kicked the trash can so hard that he actually broke it. And so it just shows he cares, he wants to win. So I think Tom, you're absolutely right. I think he has no problem cutting somebody if it's not gonna help the team win.
0: I'm trying to think of what game that would have been. <laughs> okay. Well there was, <laughs> there was there was quite I a few. A few. <laughs> I, I, my, my prediction is the missed claypool pass interference call. Oh, exactly. that
1: <laughs> one was pretty horrible.
0: Yeah, uh, I, w- I would
2: probably go with the uh, Commanders that wide open pass uh, that feels just uh, overthrew a little bit. Uh, that could have been one. God, yeah, that that's... that whole like three times in the red
0: zone, no points, was uh, a little devastating to watch. <laughs> um, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, maybe. I mean, switching gears a little bit, we we know what the holes on the roster still are, right? There, there's still room for improvement on the offensive line. Defensive line certainly stands out, specifically as at pass rusher. Uh, there's been some rumors around just potential players the Bears could still be looking at. The most notable is Chase Young, but heard some other rumors as well. Any any players out there that any of you are specifically interested in looking for, uh, to, for, for the Bears to acquire as, as a trade? Or if you want to talk about Chase Young, I'd be happy to talk about that too.
2: Uh, personally, I, I don't really see a lot to trade for. I just don't think we're there yet. Um, we could very well get close. I mean, if we're looking at free agent, you know, you can get a, a serviceable free agent addresser right now. There's, you know, Frank Clark still out there, I'm pretty sure. and Yannick Ngakwe. Um, I, you know, don't love the idea of just a one-year signing when, you know, we aren't there yet. Like, we're on the cusp, you know, the division's looking weak right now. We have a ton of cap space. I would rather, because the opportunity cost of trading for a Chase Young when you don't know his health whatsoever, um, or signing a Yannick Ngakwe where the potential, you know, next year you can sign a bigger free agent that could be available like uh, a Rashawn Gary, perchance, uh, just isn't really there when, yes, we're trying to win games this year, but I don't know if we're quite on the cusp of Super Bowl contender. Um, so obviously love Chase Young, but there's a huge question about whether that knee
3: is good to go. Yeah. Yeah, health could be a big concern with him. And, you know, I think the potential for, (laughs) yes, paying him a lot of money and him potentially not working out or being a short-term solution on the team, stealing snaps from younger guys is a big concern. We're still in the development phase of this team. And so I would hate to to go out and and trade for someone and give up a lot of draft capital and a lot of cap space long-term to get him on the team and have him take snaps from a younger player when he may even be on here for two or three years, depending on health and things like that. And in terms of, like, guys like Igakwe, there's, there's, I'd say, three or four bodies still on the market. That you can <laughs> throw in there. But it, but it kind of – they're just guys, right? They're guys that can play football. And so, I guess, do you want to have a guy on there that increases your Vegas, you know, win odds by .1, right? right. Or do you want to just give snaps to a younger guy? And, and I guess I'm – in terms of this year, if you ask me next year, with the same amount of people on board – you know, let's say we were looking at the same list and we were one more year into the rebuild. I would probably have a different answer, but at this point, I'd say give the young guys the
2: snaps.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point because um, you know one of the one of the things that I saw in the offseason uh, about Roquan Smith was well. He could have got the Bears to win at least one more game, maybe two. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) is that is that is that a positive? You know, because I don't see it as one.
0: Not last year.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, he's Poles has done a really interesting job with that because okay, he looked at uh, Smith and he made he made the offer. Uh, by all accounts, it was a very fair offer. It wasn't what he wanted, but it was a very fair offer. And so, what does he do? He lets. He says, okay, uh, I'm going to let the premium guy walk. And everybody's like, oh, I don't know about that. But then what does he do? He spins around and gets two guys who might not be the elite guy, but they're both very good guys. And then he did it in the draft, Right. You guys brought up Jalen Carter. I like Jalen Carter too, but it was interesting to me because he goes and instead, does something that we've all been waiting for a long time, and put a real hard uh, investment and resource allocation in a tackle and on all what is looking like could be an all-pro tackle that plays for us for a long time. And instead of instead of using that on defensive tackle, and then he spun around and used two picks on defensive tackles. Uh, okay, they're not the elite guy, but they're both. They both have really good track records and experience.
0: Yeah, and they don't really need to play yeah. right away, which is good. I mean, they've still got a couple of veterans on the interior of that line, and I think with both of those tackles they picked, it's more drafting for upside. You know, they got the traits. They weren't necessarily super productive in college, but they've got the athleticism and the skills that you want to be able to coach them up. So I, I think that the hope there would be that those two start making more of an impact toward the second half of next year, and that that goes to what Mitch is saying, which is give the young guys the snaps. I just don't know when you're talking about defensive end who are the young guys you're really <laughs> yeah, like who, who are the <laughs> you young guys Travis you're giving... you give. Gibson, you Travis <laughs> yeah. still in there. Travis Gibson's now a veteran. Is this is it going to be a yeah, sport right here in the league? Yeah, Dominique Robinson. Yeah, uh, that, that that that's why the guy like spending some money on a guy like Ngakwe. I, I agree that I don't want to bring in somebody who's on the wrong side of thirty, just because I, I want somebody that if if they come in and play well, you could maybe give them a second contract and. Potentially have the opportunity to have them around for the next three, four years. Uh, I don't, I don't know how many fit that mold other than Ngakwe, and I think if they wanted him, they they would have signed him already. So I, I don't know if there is anybody else on the trade market. When you look at maybe some of the lot more bottom feeding teams which by the way it's just nice to not count the Bears as one of them <laughs> at, at, at least at this point of the off season, yeah. but uh, they're gonna add somebody for sure they might still add two guys but I don't necessarily know that it's gonna be anybody that really gets you excited yeah, I mean, you can kind of just have
3: to you have to see who floats at the top with this sort of a thing. You know, you got to bring bodies in just like you did last year. Last year was truly a tryout for every single person on the team. Um, <laughs> but this year, you know, there's a couple of different positions that I think need to be tryout based defensive end. Who wants to be on the def- you know who wants to be in the defensive end room next year, right? Play play to win, and, and we'll see who comes out of this thing. And I think that you know, with the guys that he picked up in the draft, defensive tackle that can help to alleviate some of the pain from a uh, you know, called absolutely defensive end. You know, and, and on the linebacker side, too. I mean, if you think about guys going to the outside, the defensive end is really just holding the edge, you know, and just to make it the linebacker be able to make the play. So I think we have the, the run defense on the back end to at least survive the season without too much embarrassment, which I think is the overall goal. And <laughs> the talent nice
1: level here. on the defense definitely went up. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't think anybody would argue that.
2: There wasn't more of a, of a bottom, I would say. I mean, it seemed like but that, that – I think our leading sack was uh, Jaquan Brisker with three. Yeah, that's um, right. I think the leading sack from a D lineman was Dominic Robinson with one and a half, which he had at the first game of the year. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, uh, we definitely went up. Uh, we signed, you know, Rasheem Green from the Texans, who's you know a serviceable player. We'll see what he can do. Um,
0: but there's, that is. The Walker's going to play end,
1: right isn't he? Or is he going to play
0: inside? I think he can play pretty much everywhere, but yeah, he's he's kind of a,
2: a, a plug and play kind of guy, but he's primarily on the interior.
0: And um, we got the guy from
2: the Titans too. Um, yeah, that's Demarcus Walker. Oh, yeah, Demarcus Walker. Yeah.
1: Well, he's and you know that, that's he's... another thing that's similar to last year because last year um, he did that with the offensive line, right? The offensive line was in was in total shambles, so he just brought in a whole bunch of guys, right? And and just said, okay, here's a bunch of players. Fit them in where you can. And I've talked. We've we've talked a lot about it on the show, and I will continue to blow the Braxton Jones uh, horn simply because the guy came in as a rookie. He won the job early, and he kept it the entire time. Played every single snap uh, of football on the team. Was the only player that did that. And there's and I'm not saying that doesn't reflect on. Uh, how good he's going to be, but it certainly reflects on his perseverance and his work ethic. I mean, it, it, he he was doing something, right? Um, now, we, of course, we need to see him uh, step up his game, but he, he's not all by himself this year. He's actually got other pieces that will, you know, hopefully make a cohesive unit, right? Because uh, we, we know that, uh, all NFL, NFL teams know that if you have the same starting five on the offensive line, most likely you're going to have a better season.
3: Definitely, and I think I think defensive line by committee looks a lot better than offensive line by exactly. Committee. But know, that's what he did, did, right? right? He, he brought in a whole player.
1: bunch of guys. So
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it kind of goes along with the Roquan Smith thing. You know, I mean, would we rather have the number eight and eleven linebacker in the NFL? And in the, for the same price as the number three linebacker, I'd rather have the eight and nine. And I think right. we the same exact thing and probably with almost the same numbers in terms of defensive tackle, we probably got the eighth and 11th best defensive tackle in the draft instead of, you know, call it the number one
0: defensive tackle in the draft. And
3: we, we use maybe a quarter of the draft capital to get it. Yeah. And that's something I'm
0: okay with. And I, I heard a great interview with Rod Marinelli, who is like kind of the master of the three technique and, He said you don't necessarily need somebody that played there in college. He said you're looking for traits, and you're looking for the skill set you want, and then you teach them how to play it at the NFL level. So I I think that's what they were doing, and they were trusting Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams and the defensive coaching staff saying, who do you want, and it's not the best guy out there, and we're not going to spend our top ten pick to get you Jalen Carter. Find me guys in the mid-rounds that can do the job, and I, I think that's what they're going for. I am excited to see those those guys develop because they sound like just really high motor, high football character guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if they are at least one of them is is not making an impact by the middle of the season. I, I it's going to be a fun uh, spot to watch, which is much better than you could say last year when the defensive tackle room was kind of a horror <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I I am a little bit scared for Zach Pickens. I I have a really good feeling about him, and that usually means he's going to be terrible. (laughs) I I am a little bit worried about that, uh, just for his sake. So, you know, if you're listening out there, Zach, I apologize. Uh, for the bad, uh, bad luck that I'm sending your way.
0: Yeah. So, what specifically do you like about him, and just in general, I guess is there is that the player you're most I excited it, for in the draft? You know, I
3: was really excited just reading about him. You know, reading how he was. You know, South Carolina's Mr. Football. He was a Gatorade Player of the Year as a senior in high school. He was a top ten overall recruit nationally. I mean, this guy was a you know top top ten recruit nationally. I mean, he had everyone looking at him. I don't know why he ended up at South Carolina, but he did. And the fact that he had a career high tackles in 2022, four of them for loss, I mean, I'm pretty excited about the guy. The guy has shown ability to play football at a very high level against very good competition. And, you know, I think that based on his athleticism out of high school, I think with the proper coaching, he could be a star. And I think if he would have ended up at Alabama, we probably would have been talking about him in the same lens as a Jalen Carter or something like that. But you just don't have the same sort of coaching staff at South Carolina.
0: Yeah, that that was that was interesting with uh, Dexter too. Is that he was actually a, a better recruit coming out of high school than Jalen Carter was? Uh, that yep. that you know that and a dollar will get you a hamburger at McDonald's. But <laughs> it, it, it just it's, it's, it's interesting that they brought in guys. I mean, that's that just goes to what I was saying. They brought in a lot of upside guys. He,
1: it, you yeah. know, Polls has shown though he likes. Long guys, he likes speed. Um, they, you know they've been doing a lot of promotional photos of uh, the players, which I love that kind of stuff. And man, that guy uh, Jervon is huge. He is huge. I mean, he is the he is the I'll fall on you and kill you guys. So uh, um, it is it's fun to see. Uh, somebody bringing in these, you know, they're they're the prototype uh, physical uh, that you that you want to see. I mean, that's one of the things about Braxton J- Braxton Jones that didn't really get that talked about that much is that as far as a prototype left tackle, he is physically yeah. he is a prototype left tackle. Um, he does have super long arms. You know, that was the big knock on uh, on the kid from Northwestern, but um, you know. Obviously, all of the positions, uh, you know, ha- have to see a huge upgrade, um, and you know, we can look at each one of them. And as Jim would say, well, I- I'm sure they're all going to be improved because they were all terrible. But, um, but you know, uh, there is to me there's there. It does look like there are some pieces there that could go beyond being just good players for the Bears and be, you know. NFL good players.
3: What do you guys think about Tyreek Stevenson, by the
0: way? He's a guy
3: that hasn't got a ton of love on the radio, but I think he's a guy that's got a lot of potential.
0: That's the guy I'm excited about. Um, Just everything you hear about him and his attitude, he's kind of a cornerback that'll come up and just not afraid to hit you. And kind of just reminds me a little bit, I remember when Tim Jennings would always talk about how when someone would go over the middle, he'd try to... Split his jaw is what he would say, but you're not you're not you're not really allowed to do that anymore. But it sounds like Stevenson is at least kind of cut from that same mold. So it seems like a player that Bears fans are really gonna like, and I think that it's exactly the type of corner that Matt Eberflus wants in his defense. I'm I'm really excited to watch. Him
1: Didn't play. Ricky Manning talk about splitting somebody? Oh, he actually did split somebody's <laughs> jaw. <laughs>
0: Yep, at the Denny's. At the right. Denny's.
1: I kicked a guy's ass at Denny's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he deserve it. That's the big question. Yeah, but yeah I mean, I, I, that, I, I, I think that there's legitimate reason to be excited about pretty much every player they picked in, like, the top five rounds, which, you know, you couldn't really say that last year even. A lot of people looked at Bayless Jones, and they were like, eh, I don't really know about that. A lot of people looked at Brisker and they're like, "Yeah, I don't really know if you want to be taking a box safety there." So, every pick that they made at the you know in the top rounds of the draft made sense to me, and I could at least understand the logic behind why they did it.
2: It's funny you say that. Uh, there's a reason to be excited for everyone within the five rounds because while I was browsing YouTube early today, I found a YouTube video that said. Why Travis Bell will be the next, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, and I was like, all right, the seventh round, <laughs> two hundred and fifty overall pick is not gonna—that's a little bit of a high expectation, but I love it. I mean, um, the, the newspaper yeah. at like
0: Kennesaw State said that he's going to be the best rookie in the league or something. Like, <laughs> I mean,
2: that. I love it. Paul's literally came out and said that's his favorite human of all time. Like, he said <laughs> <laughs> And to do that, I mean, whether or not he ends up being a good football player is another is another question. I can't say I've watched a lot of Kennesaw State film, uh, but or any I mean, at all. <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, but and the the only issue that I have with basically the gentleman uh, of Florida, uh, blanking on the name right now, uh, I mean, German Dexter. Dexter, is just his get off needs some improvement uh yeah. watching just the tape it, it it looks he looks very I mean Mel Kuyper said it at first when he was drafted is he looks very blockable um mm. now there was a recent interview I was listening um uh, where they interviewed the Florida D-line coach and he came out and said yeah he's gonna be a better pro than he was in college which then I immediately went from six to midnight because <laughs> he was like yeah we would have loved to have him you know we didn't necessarily coach that get off to be that slow but we wanted him to be in a position where he was able to make a decision read and react which he's not going to do now and the Florida coach flat out said if I had the depth that you know an NFL team has I wouldn't have him doing what he was doing in college and I think polls the fact that he's able to address that and, and hopefully it comes out to be this this giant stud because man when he puts it together you know at six I think he's six five potentially six six you know three hundred and ten pounds
0: I mean this guy's the limit
1: Yeah, he really is a big
0: dude. That's what everybody said with the athleticism, is that Iberfluch just drafted his DeForest Buckner. So if if you found DeForest Buckner in the second round, then I'm all in for that. And I'm echoing you on Travis Bell, too. I'm just excited to see what, what that's all about, because just with the amount of praise that's been heaped on the basically one of the last players to be picked in the draft there's there's got to be something there that we're missing and i i think that's going to be a, a player that gets a lot of uh, headlines in training camp if nothing else which doesn't mean you're going to be good if you think through all of the training camp heroes from the bears <laughs> over the last yeah. two, two, break, 2 decades <laughs> yeah yeah Mike Haas, right? That's, oh, yeah. that's always the. Didn't the, that late round quarterback, like,
3: or the did the undrafted quarterback that we get uh, also from Kennesaw State? What, what was that guy's name?
0: No, uh, uh, Tyson Bajit. Yeah, oh, yeah. he's from that Oh, He's school? from Shepherd. <laughs> oh, from Shepherd, yeah.
3: Sorry, no name school.
0: Kennesaw State is huge
1: <laughs> compared to <Yeah>. Shepherd.
3: <laughs> I think, he's I think he threw 50 touchdowns or something <laughs> like that at that school, which is cool. But one thing, I, Jim talked about Tim Jennings in there. You know, this Tyreek guy is going to be the new Tim Jennings. I think that there is some real potential for him to be really good. And I'm excited about the cornerback room really this year because we moved on from Rowe, who was really not a great defensive back coach, didn't have a lot of experience in the league. And we brought in a guy, John Hoke. He's been in the league forever. I mean, I think he's got like 40 years of coaching experience, almost all with the defensive backs. And who was our defensive backs coach when Tillman and Jennings were running the show around here? John frickin' Hoke. And he's back on the scene. He knows the defense. He's one of the best guys to run defensive back and passing coordinators in the Tampa 2 you know, style of defense. And he's back, and I think he's going to be a really, really good stabilizer in that room that has a y- lot of young guys. I mean, right now, who's the veteran? Jalen Johnson. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about that realistically. We got Jalen Johnson and then we, we saw Gordon who really regressed throughout the year. And I think that coaching had a big big part of that. He came out on the scene and I think once people saw a tape on him, they outsmarted him and he was pretty much on the bench. Yeah. And I think yeah. with, with Hope coming in, looking at, you know, um, you know, Gordon and looking at Stevenson and even looking at the kid from Minnesota, um Trace God, as a former golfer, I'm gonna die.
0: Trey, Smith, uh, Trey what are, oh, Terrell maybe, Smith. Terrell Smith. Terrell, right. Terrell yeah, Terrell Smith.
3: Smith, Terrell Smith. Um, I think with those young guys coming in in a young room, I think John Hogan's going to have a
1: really
0: good impact on the, on the defensive backs. Yeah, well, I, I just think that having anything at all in the front seven can only make their job a little bit easier. I mean, last year the Bears had one of the worst pass rushes I've, I've ever seen. They, they didn't have any ability at all to make a quarterback uncomfortable, and when you've got even if you've got hall of famers in your secondary that makes their job really difficult and when the bears had a lot of young players a lot of guys that hadn't really even played in the league before that makes it almost impossible and i I still think the secondary of all the position groups on that defense last year acquitted themselves the best Uh, i saw some young players that i thought maybe there's potential to be rotational backups so I think adding Stevenson, I I really do like Jalen Johnson. You hope Kyler Gordon gets coached up a little bit more this year. I think that secondary has a chance to be pretty good, especially if there's just any sort of representative NFL pass rush coming from the down linemen, which I don't know if there will be. I still think the defensive line could be pretty bad, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was last year. So progress, right?
1: Yeah, and I I mean, I think, um, you know, uh on the inside we will certainly see improvement over, over over what we had i mean i think last year with the <laughs> with the secondary it was like opposing receivers had like 38 seconds or <laughs> no so but i mean uh you know obviously it was it was ridiculous it was like one of the longest spans of uh, of any nfl team i think i think the bears ranked 31 or 32 uh, in that and in, in that particular statistic, as Jim was saying, and we all watched, they 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 literally had no push at all. Uh, you know, um, there was the Packer game where twelve smug face came out afterwards and and said, "Oh yeah, you know," he said something like, "Oh, they were a joke." I think the only time I I, I had anything happen was when I slipped on the turf.
2: <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And you know, um, he wasn't wrong. And, and, and he, he wasn't, wasn't wrong. wrong. And he wasn't when wrong. When Marcus Mariota puts on a hundred plus passer rating, oh my god! Has, you know that you're just giving them all day to cook, and you can't—you just can't have it in the NFL
0: these days. You—you're just not going to work out. Oh, definitely. And I'm—I'm I'm hoping with some more pass rush up the middle, whether it comes from any of these newer faces, or whether it comes from Demarcus Walker, or wherever it's going to come from, I, I just hope that getting any sort of pressure between the center and the guards just makes the the edge rusher's job a little bit easier and just gives the quarterback anything to worry about back there because it, it just wasn't the case last year, and that's why you, you saw what you saw in the defense and the fact that they were giving up, like, seven yards a carry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, You're number one overall pick for a reason in this league. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, right, and we've kind of gone down this road a little bit, but just where are you guys – Placing expectations going into next year. I think mine are relatively high compared to others. Where are you thinking is a realistic place to be expecting this team to finish?
2: Well, I'll start by saying, for the love of God, we better beat the Packers week one. That has to be a must. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like one of the the biggest Bears Packers games.